Are you ever curious what's going on behind the scenes in Hollywood? You watch a Netflix show or a Marvel movie and you wonder, why was that person in it? Why did this movie get made? I'm Matt Bellany, founding partner of Puck News, and I'm covering the inside conversation about money and power in Hollywood. With my new show, The Town, on the Ringer Podcast Network, I'm going to take you inside Hollywood with exclusive insight on what people in show business are actually talking about. Multiple times a week, we're going to bring you short, digestible episodes featuring some of the smartest people I know breaking down the hottest topics in entertainment to tell you what's really going on. Follow The Town now and listen on Spotify. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected. Subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Think about all the stuff you can do now on Sundays after the Super Bowl's over. Adventurous activities. You need a Hyundai to get you there. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped for any adventure with features like available H-Track, all-wheel drive. You can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Welcome to the Ringer NFL Draft Show. My name is Danny Heifetz. I am joined by Danny Kelly, Ben Solek, and Craig Horlbeck. We're talking NFL Draft every Tuesday and Thursday through the NFL Draft in late April. And we're going to be handing out awards. We just got back from the NFL Combine, so we're going to go through the awards. Getting out winners, losers, but also some more fun awards from the Combine. But first, we have a very strange story to discuss. Mm. Uh, I'm just going to read directly from an NFL statement. NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell today suspended Calvin Ridley of the Atlanta Falcons indefinitely through at least the conclusion of the 2022 season for betting on NFL games in the 2021 season. The activity took place during a five-day period in late November 2021 while Ridley was not with the team and it was away from the club's facility on the non-football illness list. A league investigation uncovered no evidence indicating any inside information was used or that any game was compromised in any way nor was there evidence suggesting any awareness by coaches, staff, teammates, or other players of his betting activity. Calvin Ridley responded with a couple tweets that said, I bet 1,500 total, I don't have a gambling problem. Good tweet. It's great So tweet. I want to ask you, um, have you guys ever lost 1,500 total? Do any of you have a gambling problem? I don't know if I've lost 1,500 total. I'm, I might be getting I'm guessing there. like relative to the salaries that we make versus Calvin Ridley. I have lost 1,500. Yeah. <laughs> oh, relatively, absolutely. Wise, 100%. Yeah. We're talking about we're like talking just, nuggets just on one units? game? Yeah. Yeah, or just a number one pick, whatever weird bet you make. 1,500 to so him is like what? Like a nickel for me? <laughs> yeah, right. I've lost that. <laughs> we're breaking on a curve here. Um, I empathize with that that tweet tremendously, by the yeah. way. I've said that to Mayor, my wife, definitely <laughs> before. I'm like, it's just like, it's just $300 on a Mountain West game that I've never watched either team play before. I don't know what, what the conversation is here. <laughs> Hobbies cost money. I don't know what you're yeah, going to tell why you. Not? <laughs> I'm of two opinions about this. The one, the interesting wrinkle here is, so he's betting on the Falcons. He put a, him in parlaying them. The three-game three yeah. parlays, the five-game parlays, the eight-game parlays. And it's we, we should note, he's betting on the Falcons to win. Yes. Correct. Sources close to the situation believe Falcons will win game. Source being <laughs> Falcons football player Calvin Ridley. I think the 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 what I have so many questions about this. One of which is the idea that a, a league investigation uh, found that he, no inside information was used. He plays for the team. I know he's like not. <laughs> he he's knows not, all the players. Of way he was on the non football injury list. He was not part of the team. But still, right. It's a little yeah. odd. You know what this reminded me of. It reminded me of um, the former MLB commissioner, Faye Vincent, once said that every now and then in business, you need a public execution. And I felt that this is kind of Calvin Ridley getting the hammer because the NFL just feels such a need to draw an absolute red line mm -hmm. in the sand to be like, players cannot gamble. And if you put your stupid eight game parlays down, 
you will miss. I mean, as Roger Sherman tweeted today, Calvin Ridley bet $1,500 and lost $10 million. It's the worst bet in like the history of gambling odds. Yeah. So I don't yeah, know. Especially it's, with right now, just like with the gambling boom across the NFL and really all sports. Right. Uh, this is time. Yeah, that was my first thought, too, is <clears throat> he's being made he's being made an example of, right? Like the NFL is expanding their reach. They're expand they're now, you know, investing in, in betting. They're getting all the profits from betting, like or they're getting a piece of the profits from betting. Obviously, that's just gonna continue to grow. Um, you know, everybody is talking about betting now. It's like becoming bigger and bigger. Um, and so I th- I do feel like the NFL is like, okay, we need to make an example of him. We have this opportunity. The fact that they made an example of the guy who has been on the NFI list because of mental health issues is the thing that really did kind of strike me as like bizarre. And I think that the right. um, punishment here for a year long suspension does feel like a lot. What did you guys think of that? The year long suspension for this? Well, I just want to note real quick that the days late November, Calvin, I, we've now seen Lindsey Jones at the athletic reported it was November 25th to 28th. That's Thanksgiving day weekend, which I do think mm-hmm. kind of humanizes it a little bit. Like these, he did right. some parlays on Thanksgiving. That's what we're talking about. And like, I can get why he was like, well, I'm not playing. So like, right. why? You know what I mean? Yeah. And the NFL was very quick to be like, no games were affected. But I think that's the year-long suspension, right? Is that this happens. FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL, all right? Hits up and Roger. I, FanDuel on this podcast, maybe. Right. Hits right. up Roger and is like, no. Like, like the, 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 the year-long suspension is directly related to how much money the sportsbooks have tied into the NFL in terms of those those promotions and how desperate the NFL is, I think, to keep those sportsbooks happy uh, and, and to keep that connection strong because there's just so, 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 so much money right now in legal sports betting in the United mm-hmm. States. And so you get that year-long suspension because, right, you want to send this big signal both to the players and to the sportsbook, hey, we really, 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 really care about this. Roughly four times as much as we care about, like, some domestic violence suspensions, which is right. insane. That like that is that codified and that that message is sent so clearly. I think that's a good point. So like, and a lot of people are going to make that connection. Those suspensions also are collectively bargained. It's a lot of those times those things are immensely disappointing. But I think the NFL looks at this as existential, and that, you know when they reversed basically decades of not allowing gambling in sports and not promoting it, and now this really three five year just complete reverse pivot into. We're actually going to have official sponsors, and when we mentioned this on broadcast, we're going to have sports books and football stadiums, all that jazz. They had to do it with the conviction that they could make sure it doesn't affect the integrity of the game, because that was the fear for a half century. And now that there's any sniff of it, they're just trying to crush the dissent, honestly. So with that said, yeah, you guys want to talk combine? <laughs> yeah, I do. The NFL combined, baby. Then if I combine, how are you guys feeling, by the way, after a, a long week, less than a week, late night? I tried, I tried to write today, and my brain was scrambled egg. <laughs> my brain was over easy, baby. We right. were leaking out the ears. <laughs> this is the third pod on the combine. You think that's enough? Too many? Not enough? Feels right. Third it one? Feels right. Feels Craig's right? just yeah. jealous that he wasn't there. It's okay, Craig. Yeah, uh, I'm not. Ghost how I heard you guys talk about Indianapolis off mic. I'm not upset. I like Indianapolis. Don't don't say it. I like Indianapolis on oh, okay. and off mic. I didn't say who you. said something. <laughs> what are you? I live in the Midwest. Let's do a process seed. of elimination. Yeah. Okay. So with all that said, we're gonna get through awards. Solak, lead us off here. Give us your first award you want to give out from the combine for spending a week in Indy. Absolutely. Uh, so my favorite part of Indy is, and I should say the combine process. It's something that we talked about a little bit on one of the previous shows, which is just the cut of the guy's jib, baby. I sit down with <laughs> yeah. him, meet him for the first time. Is the handshake firm? All right. You know, clear answers. Look See, you good, in the eye. Yeah, exactly. Look me in the eye. And, and so this is the cut of the jib award. I'm a big fan of the cut of the jib. Uh, and this award I goes don't know to, what that means. I've never heard cut of the jib. You, you never, never heard, heard the expression? What? what? Literally, I like no. the cut of this guy's jib. Yeah. What? <laughs> I, I, I really don't. That? It honestly just means like I like this guy's vibe. It's a sailing, sailing yes. reference. Yeah. So the jib uh, yes. was a sail, and you could tell looking at a ship far away if they were like, like based on the shape of their jib, if they were friend or foe. I don't know which shape meant what or what those shapes <laughs> like further implied beyond friend or foe, but I just know the jib, like that guy's got a square jib. We're chilling, baby. He's my boy. Like he's got a triangle jib. I, sailors are very upset with me right now. Got a triangle like jib. A like, we're he's probably for a fight. This, yeah. I don't know if it was like all just pirates or if it was also like armadas and nations, whatever. But if you like the cut of a guy's jib, 
then you like the way you, your your first impression of him is strong. Seems like a solid dude. Uh, and Malik Willis, quarterback out of Liberty, gets mm-hmm. the cut of the Jib Award. Uh, probably everybody now has seen by this point uh, the video of Malik Willis uh, stopping while he was walking on the streets of Indianapolis. There's a uh, a homeless woman, I believe it was, who was on the uh, on the street, and Malik stopped. He opened his bag. He had like packs of clothes, like uh, the combine gave him, or were mm-hmm. packed, you know, for him. And he gives her uh, a pack of the clothes, talks with her for a little bit, and then he he goes on his way. Malik uh, attended Liberty University, which is like a really, really, really Christian university. And Malik has been very outspoken about like believing in 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 this sort of stuff. And so he's a very like like every game's got like you know like audience of one sort of stuff that's on his arms. And like he's a very faith based guy. And so this is clearly something that's that's super important to him. But also like you know not in a a disparaging way plays well for teams you know faith football family has always been a thing like the three f's have always been a thing that matters in this space on uh, so malik first he's like a super faithful dude uh and then you have uh reports from uh ian rapaport says on the nfl network desk uh excuse me this this was uh this was rap sheet is rap sheet rapaport i never remember which one yes which. yes yeah ian rapaport <laughs> is rap sheet. i feel very poorly for that because i met I've met these people now, but I just never, I can't keep them straight. Okay. Never, said, never, ever apologize for meeting someone in person and being like, oh, I forgot your Twitter handle. Never, <laughs> never say that. Uh, Rap said it's been hard for team to express what it's like interviewing Willis because Willis is so smart. He says he spoke to an offensive coordinator who said it's like the thoughts are overflowing in his brain. Uh, Jeff Howe of the, of the Athletic, <laughs> Liberty quarterback Malik Willis uh, told me that teams have been surprised by his offensive knowledge overall and ability to retain offensive info and play calls. Um, you know, this is like a, a common occurrence in the draft where they're like, this quarterback played in a super simple offense. Often goes around black quarterbacks as well, where it's like he played in a super simple offense. Uh, can he know what a defense is doing? And then right. they show up and like, yeah, like I know what I'm doing. Um, so it's resounding good interview uh, um, reports from Malik as well. Uh, so you're hearing that just like teams like him. They like the way he behaves. They like the way he understands offense. He's really good on the board they like the cut of his jib. Uh, and so in terms of this quarterback position that we've been looking for a guy, it really feels like Malik killed this week, even without running. He threw very well, uh, but he interviewed really well. So the cut of the jib award, Malik Willis. Did the t- I have a question. Did the tape reflect what these interviews illuminated? Like, could you tell on tape that perhaps he was smarter than his offensive scheme suggested? So, like, that's always, like, a difficult thing is to read those tea leaves. In general, I would say no. Like, Malik's play style is very frenetic. Uh, and so oftentimes when a guy has a frenetic play style, you're, you read between the lines and you say, you don't really know what he's looking at, right? A lot of Malik's interceptions, too, were him getting really fooled pre-snap to post-snap. So there's stuff that needs to be cleaned up there that I still think needs to be cleaned up there in terms of, of processing and like that kind of like football intelligence FBIQ that we talk about. Um, but for the fact that he was able to go up on the board and like new protections, new pro concepts, because those are stuff like he didn't have to set protections. You have to run pro concepts in Liberty offense. That's that is to his benefit. And, and not just knowing those ideas, but how you communicate those ideas, right? Coaches practice communication. How do I get an idea across to a guy? And so when a quarterback can go up on the board and speak with clarity, speak with with, with incisiveness, know what matters and say it in, in a strong way, that strength of communication resonates with those guys because that's what they work on year-round. Yeah, also it's like coaches these days, I think, or, or maybe ever, forever, have always believed like teaching is very important. <clears throat> you have to be able to uh, learn too. Like as a player, you have to be able to absorb that information and apply it. Um, I think that's why coaches get so excited when a guy is able to go up on the blackboard or, or the whiteboard or whatever and, like, you know, do plays, um, figure things out that they're asking them live. It's not like they come prepared with, like, a speech. It's like you have to react to what the things, that the scenarios that they're telling you. And then um, so the ability to learn, absorb that, and then apply it on the field, I think, are really important things. Um, this also bolsters, I think, what we had heard coming out of the Senior Bowl, which was he would come in and command the huddle come in and like the guys all rallied around him, like glommed onto him kind of deal. Like he's just a leader. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's also, th- again, these are intangible. So it's, it's hard to know firsthand w- what really happens in the huddle, but um, these are the reports that you're hearing. So that's an important thing. I always go back to the, uh, and this example, I think stood out to me, obviously, cause I was covering the Seahawks at that time, but when Russell Wilson was drafted by the Seahawks, he came in, like it was only a couple weeks after the draft and essentially ran their rookie camp. So the teams run rookie camp where it's like a bunch of rookies, a bunch of free agent guys. It's like a lot of these guys are just trying out. They're not even on the roster necessarily. Um, and Wilson came in and he ran the entire camp. He knew the playbook. He did all this stuff. And it, this is like, 
just one anecdote, but kind of like I think it points to what so like you're saying here is like Willis seems to have sort of that it factor or whatever as the leader, as a guy right. who can retain information. So these are important things. Again, we won't really see them bear out, you know, for the next few months here. But um, I know teams definitely believe in this stuff for sure. So with all, putting this all together, DK, you've said that Malik Willis is going to be the best, the second best running quarterback in the NFL once he gets to the NFL behind Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. Arm strength wise, it's like not quite Josh Allen, but he has one of the biggest arms in, that w- would be in the entire NFL. After all this, now you're hearing about these other parts of his you know, of his profile, do you think he should go be the number one quarterback taken in the draft? I think it's starting to feel like he's going to be, for sure. I, he's definitely got the momentum going in his direction. I think there's probably going to be some teams who um, go with Kenny Pickett. I think it's down to him and Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett from Pitt. Um, but Kenny Pickett's just the safe version. He's the right. Andy Dalton of this. Right. It's just, that seems not exciting. I mean... Yeah. <laughs> Strong <laughs> agree. <laughs> that, I think you laid it out there. You know what, though? I, can we briefly talk about the Kenny Pickett versus Malik Willis thing? Because it seems like everyone's on the Malik Willis train right now. Mm-hmm. And man, the him helping the homeless woman. I mean, if we had to rank all-time best looks that anyone's ever had at a combine, <laughs> yeah. is that number one? Yeah. I mean, like off the field, I mean, like what a tremendous yeah. like, co- like uh, example of his character. For context, if you didn't see this, Basically, a reporter was sitting across the street eating at a restaurant or something, and he videotaped Willis as he was walking down the street in Indianapolis. So it seems as though it was a genuine in the moment act, like how you act when no one is watching type moment. And yes. obviously, that's a cliche, but like we, are, we hope. Yes. If, yeah, if he set it up, look, I think yeah. that's like Machiavellian <laughs> and brilliant. Like, good for him. If yeah. he set that up and like planted Stop it, up. Stop that up. would be all time if he set that <laughs> right? up. Oh my God. I mean, like part of me thinks that's even more impressive because then you're like, <laughs> yeah, it <laughs> is. Like, stock, really, I very much agree. It is stock up both directions. <laughs> you know, Willis is also logged into Calvin Ridley's account. I put in all the parlays. <laughs> oh. Right. Well, yeah, he'd be like really a generous guy, but also like just like a winner. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, this really is such a classic like- example of how like dumb the draft is. Because if you just like a player, you like him. If you don't, you don't. So it's like Malik. Yeah. Great dude. Loves others. You know, believes. And then it, it, like, you know, and then you learn it's a setup. You're like Malik. Gamer. You know, <laughs> knows how to <laughs> right. work the system. You yeah. know, like, you know yeah. it's just like yeah. whatever we need to say, we can say. But I feel like, I feel like right now it's like, this is, it's Malik Willis's time right now. No one's talking about Kenny Pickett. Yet he remains on the fringe of perhaps being the first quarterback taken uh, uh, in the draft. Right. What is, can somebody give me some positives about Kenny Pickett? Everyone's been disparaging him for his hand size. Like, why is he still almost the first <laughs> quarterback taken? Him. So I would say, so like, I'll, I'll go quick and then you can, you can echo whatever and give your take. Mm-hmm. I think number one, he improved his improvement this last year, I think was very, very um, impressive. Like the way he was able to run that offense, the way he was able to, um, Basically, get everybody on the same page. He elevated his teammates. He came in. He's very good in the pocket. He can manipulate the pocket, move around, uh, escape the pressure, make plays out of uh, make plays out of uh, structure. And like some of the throws he made out of the pocket were incredibly impressive. So, I think Pickett is obviously like his stock has gone down because of the hand narratives and everything. But is there anything else? Did he do anything else to hurt his stock at the combine other than have small hands? Not at the combine. I would say his senior he, he, ball. Didn't, he didn't throw as well. Like Pickett, mm-hmm. like they're throwing that nine ball and Pickett's nine ball was always going to die because he has like a fine arm and Malik was launching that thing into a stratosphere. Malik's got <laughs> flight codes, man. <laughs> I like yeah, that. So thing. I don't know. It's again, it's like going back to the floor versus ceiling argument. I think okay. that that's yeah. the new jargon we need. We need like a new wave of jargon. I think flight codes, I like that yeah. better for like a it's worth, quarterback. It's worth yeah. noting just as a quick uh, uh, emphasis that we're talking about that's like who's the first guy. Right now, books wise, Malik Wills minus 125 to be the first quarterback selected. Kenny Pickett wow. plus 190. Matt Crowell plus 240. So mm-hmm. as far as books see it, Willis is further away from two than two is of three. Uh, so I would okay. say right now, Willis is going to be one. That's That's a... 60%, 62% proposition. What do you think? Top 10? Yeah. yeah. Uh, ben, right now, you so have to too. gun to your head. What team is he going to? Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh, they trade up? Yeah. Um, I'm going to say like, Washington. I'm going to say yeah. Washington. Now, Ron Rivera said during the combine that this team needs a vet, which would be a pretty good head fake, mm-hmm. but the free agency comes before the draft. So it's actually not because we'll know if you're not bringing know. in a vet yeah. <laughs> by the time we get to the draft. Fair. Um, Fair. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I think uh, Washington, like, I've, coming into the week... Also, I'm who's at, the vet? Yeah. Jacoby Brissett? Like, Taylor Heineke. Carson Wentz. <laughs> Mitchell. Oh, God. He's Mitchell? a vet? Mitch Trubisky's already a vet? Yeah, he, oh Second contract, God. baby. 
Third yeah. contract, technically. So you want to talk about how Mitchell Trubisky's had a career renaissance because he just went away and Listen. it's kind of like object permanence, like a baby drops a toy Listen. over the edge of the bath and looks over and sees. He's like, oh my hang. god, you still exist. Yeah. <laughs> this is this is the this is the marry your daughter award. This is the please please M- Mitchell get your butt up to this altar right now award. This is the oh I'm sorry I already have a son-in-law. Kill him. I don't love him anymore. Get Replace Mitchell up him. here. I need this man as my son award. And it goes to Mitchell Trubisky because Brandon Bean, who's the current general manager of the Buffalo Bills, was asked about uh, Mitchell Trubisky's potential upcoming free agency. And his immediate answer was nothing but positives about Mitch. He's a marry your daughter type of guy. Just want to get that in at the top, baby. Say, listen. What are what are Billy Bean's I also want to throw that Brandon out. Bean. Well, Brandon Billy Bean, Bean's a different guy. Oh, Billy sorry, Bean. not Billy Bean. I'm an A's fan. <laughs> in case sorry. that makes no sense. Trubisky was actually the backup for Josh Allen and the Bills this year, which you're forgiven yes. if you didn't know. Yes, and 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 here's here, like, here's the amazing thing, right? Uh, so shows up every day with a smile on his face, works hard. So wh- why is he going to be a good free agent? Because he's smiling all the time, man. It's great. Uh, for his ups and downs in Chicago, he has never said a negative word about anything. Yeah, when I also have a terrible time somewhere else, and then I move, <laughs> I don't talk about it while I'm there. I'm not like, oh, I really sucked in Chicago, guys. Did you know that? I'm like, yeah, Buffalo, man, it's great. I love it here. We're Keep games. reminding people. Yeah, yep. let's not do that. And he goes on to say, I talked to Josh Allen a little bit as we were closing in on the deal, just saying, hey, this may happen, making sure there was nothing I was unaware of, which there wasn't. Mitch just came in with open arms, open eyes, Clear hearts, clear open eyes, can't lose. <laughs> uh, learned our system with Ken Dorsey, Brian Dable, and Josh. And really was just a great caddy the whole year. Just a great caddy. Just really, uh, he was ready if his number was called. Uh, so basically, Brandon Bean's like, listen, he's smiling a lot. He doesn't talk about when he was bad. And he didn't come in thinking he might have won the job over Josh Allen. And for these reasons, he's going to... He's going to get $10 million. Think about get- how low of a bar that is. That's the so lowest really bar I've ever heard. Like, like, have an starting- <laughs> hold on, hold on. Do you really think, Ben Solek, that Mitchell Trubisky is actually going to get like a chance to have a starting job this season? Dan Graziano, Jeremy Fowler, ESPN, NFL Combine Notebook. Teams are openly discussing whether Trubisky gets $10 million or more annually on a new deal. That his name is a hot one is not manufactured. It's real. His career reset in Buffalo went very well. Again, I just walked you through what happened in Buffalo. He <laughs> smiled a lot and didn't make anyone <laughs> mad. So his career reset in Buffalo went very well. And teams that will look to draft a quarterback could sign Trubisky to start this year. A Trubisky <laughs> pairing with a first-round quarterback such as Malik Wills wouldn't shock a few teams. The Panthers, Steelers, Commanders, Giants, and potential Broncos are in the mix here. So a you- team is going to sign <laughs> 10 million, Mr. Trubisky to eight figures to get beat out by a first round quarterback in camp and then smile a lot for 17 games and be a quote, great caddy end quote. This is real. And honestly, <laughs> I respect it. Shout out Mitchell, baby. Brandon Bean doesn't even have any daughters. So it's like, right. How can you really know that? Um, how would you, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Do we trust your judgment here? No experience. Where's your point of reference? Guys, what do you think Mitchell Trubisky's record is as a starter? I actually know this. I think it's, is he 34 in and 31? postseason or just regular season? I was going to say, regular I was going to say 500. He, or, yeah. I believe he's 34 and 31. Yeah. So he definitely, he went 12 and four, eight and eight, eight and eight. So that's 38 and whatever the opposite of that is. Sean McVay 20. memory over here. What the hell? And then, well, he had one more season after that. I don't remember what that season was. It was like five. It was like six and 10. He's 29 and 21. Dang. 29 wow. And 21. Look at that. Really Not bad. What a winner. What a winner. Kid wins. So uh, uh, do you guys want to have, the, you guys want to know the reference for the quarterbacks in his range? Of, so 10 million is the number you threw out there. So like uh, from ESPN, mm-hmm. uh, Taysom Hill, his average per year is 10 million. Ryan Fitzpatrick. Okay. Well. Taysom Hill contract <laughs> is never real ever. Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yeah, that's correct. Ryan Fitzpatrick last year made 10 mil. Teddy Bridgewater, 11.5. And then you got like a bunch of guys on the rookie deal. So it's not really that much, like if we're being honest. If they want a veteran Washington, they should go get Teddy. I feel like that makes sense. Trubisky. Yeah, the, Jameis, the thing, Jameis right. made 5.5, I guess. That's that's right. one that you could point the to. The thing is, Tyron is that like... 5.5, so eh, maybe it is a lot. Bean also said later in that presser, he was like, uh, Trubisky gets a bad rap because Mahomes and Watson were selected after him, right? And those guys are really good at, at football. And it's like, okay, <laughs> like... Yes, I agree that Trubisky. (laughs) Right, I agree that he's. I agree that we're all like a little more mean to him because he could have been somebody else. But also, like you cannot. We like he was like he won a lot of games in Chicago. Did he? Was he in the field when the games were won? Yes. Did he win the games? We cannot be doing this right now with Mitchell. 
it, we, it was very evident how he played. Can we just do a really quick round robin? Everyone give a team they want Trubisky to go to. And that could be either because you're trying to be mean and you want that team to suffer, or maybe you just want Trubisky to have a career renaissance and you're a fan of him and you want him to marry No, I can daughter. do this really quick. I'll go first. I would like him to be on uh, the Salt Lake Stallions of the AAF. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. Uh, yeah, I'd like him to be on the New York Giants. Come oh, on. Don't do that. To, no, how dare you? Yes. How dare Follow you? Follow Dayball. Listen, go birds. You ever think about it that way? You ever, you ever factor that in? <laughs> how dare you? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I'd like... I'd like for Billy Bean to recruit him to come to the A's. <laughs> he can take Kyler's spots at Wisconsin Whitewater and AA Baseball or whatever. I think okay. he's going to end up with the Panthers. Just throw it out there. Uh, yeah, oh, that, that's a good one. Just like, what's the saddest thing for the Panthers? The saddest timeline. the saddest thing for the yes. Panthers. <laughs> him and Darnold can go at it. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Think about all the stuff you can do now on Sundays after the Super Bowl's over. Adventurous activities. You need a Hyundai to get you there. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped for any adventure with features like available H-Track, all-wheel drive. You can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Let's talk more combine. I don't know how we just did that much time in Trubisky, but you know what? Shout out to Mr. Trubisky. It was legit a big part of the combine. It was, was yeah. It's the number one leak (laughs) NFL takeaway is Mr. Trubisky is going to start next year. Okay. So I want to give out an award and I'm giving Jordan Mr. Mario daughter. That's what we should call him. Please. (laughs) Mr. Find that whole thing very strange. Uh, Okay. Jordan Davis, the defensive tackle to Georgia. I'm giving him the Mount Rushmore award because Todd McShay threw out this line. I thought it blew my mind. I want you guys' opinion. He said that Jordan Davis this week joined Calvin Johnson, Adrian Peterson, and Vernon Davis on his Mount Rushmore of the single best combine performances Mm. he has ever seen, period. And among other things, the thing that went out, I mean, Jordan Davis ran, what was this 40-yard dash? A 4.78? Basically, the best number ever for anyone over 310 pounds. And like to put that in perspective, Jordan Davis, who went to Alabama running a 4.78. Josh Jacobs, a running back from Alabama a few years ago, ran a 4.6. Dude, Jordan Davis, he broad jumped, uh, let's see, 123 inches. I don't know how far that is. 10-3. His broad jump at 340 pounds, 341 pounds, which is, by the way, 97th percentile for defensive tackles. Not just all humans, defensive tackles. Uh, you mean the weight, not the 10, broad jump. He broad jumped 10-3, which is the same as Garrett Wilson, who weighs 183 pounds. The wide receiver from Ohio State. So yes, he's broad who's going to be probably like a top 15 pick. So Jordan Davis is incredibly athletic. To back up the whole uh, Mount Rushmore thing, by the way, Heifetz, I don't know if you ever follow the RAS, the Relative Athletic Score, RAS. Um, Kentley Platt does this. It's a great website. It's really intri- uh, interesting to give you context of how uh, like athletic these guys are. It's kind of like the Spark score a little bit, but uh, um, slightly different like calculations. Um, in his database, which includes 17,000 players, Calvin Johnson is first, Jordan Davis is second. You you talking about like total athleticism from the combine measure? Correct. Right? This is total athleticism and it's relative per position. That's why it's the relative athletic score. Um, and by weight and size and all that jazz. Correct. So it's like he is one of the most uh, rare athletes in NFL history or combine history, I wow. should say. Wait, so Calvin Johnson was one and Jordan Davis was two. Yeah. Okay. So that's insane. But Do I want to just I, read I, off what he did. So he he was six six three forty one. That's huge for a defensive tackle, <laughs> let alone any position. Uh, I don't think I've ever met anyone who's like 6'6", 341, that isn't like in a football context. <laughs> right. Uh, he ran a 4.78 with a 1.68 yard, uh, 10 yard split, which is really good. 32 inch vertical and a 10-3 broad. Like these numbers are like a really athletic running back. Him having the same broad <laughs> jump as Ohio State wide receiver Garrett Wilson is insane. Yeah, yeah. it's pretty crazy. Um, 
you know, obviously his 40 is not quite as good as like a, a really good running back, but like his numbers are but really it's, good. It's, it's, you had to say it though. I think he you should play quarterback. Can he throw? He's faster than his, Mahomes, I believe. He so, is. Okay. Yeah. And Quan Bolden ran a 4 7. <laughs> exactly. All right. Here's my question for you two. So, this sounds like one of the greatest defensive players ever. Athletically. Right. <laughs> right this right. is a player who, midway through college football season, people were talking about whether he should be a Heisman Trophy candidate. And yet, is he like, wh- how valuable is Jordan Davis? as an NFL player, if he functionally just plays two downs at mm-hmm. Alabama this year, he basically didn't play on third downs. He was on the field on third down, like less than a fifth at the time. So DK and Solak, I'm curious what you make of that. Like, would you DK, right. you have Jordan Davis going in the first round of the chargers. Why do you have that? So I think number one, th- that is the big question. Like, is it worth drafting a guy who's in theory going to play on early downs? He's a run stuffer. run stuffing. Is, isn't as important in the modern NFL. Everybody's throwing now. Um, you know, I think that's the big question teams are going to have to answer, but I think the thing about Davis is he has that untapped, I think, pass rusher uh, potential. I think those numbers paint a picture of a guy who's extremely quick, extremely powerful, extremely athletic. Obviously we know he's massive. Um, and there is going to be the questions about his snap counts at Georgia, but like a lot of the Georgia defensive players were like rotating in like when you're going in and watching like the all 22 of Georgia you have to skip so many plays if you're watching a, a one specific player because they rotate guys in and out um you know because they have like 15 five-star defensive players on their freaking roster it's critical like, it's critical yeah they have to like get everybody in so you've got like probably I don't know seven or eight defensive players on that on that group are going to be like top two round guys and almost all of them were ro- rotating in um so I think that the rotation thing is a little overblown. Um, obviously, with a guy who's his size, you're going to have to worry about his conditioning. You're going to have to worry about his ability to play a full snap count, whatever. But I do think at the end of the day, his upside as a pass rusher is what's going to make him potentially a top 15 pick. Um, it's not because he's a good run suffer. It's because he has the upside to develop into a really good every down guy. Um, so that's why, I mean, when I saw Davis, I was like, this guy's got real quickness. But if he can harness that into like pass rush moves and one gapping and all that, that like that's the big thing. Uh, yeah, and, it, and it's worth noting, like, all right, he's three forty one, just a mountain of a man, gorgeous human being, well fed young man, <laughs> just healthy dude. Uh, that that like that's bigger than like our right, other defensive tackles. But like this is we've we've had the conditioning conversation, and coaches have had the conditioning conversation around defensive tackles for a long time, and they've been drafting Vita Vey at thirteen and Derek Brown at, at seven and whatever you like for that time, right? If you think you got them, 66% of the snaps ain't no problem. In fact, it's preferable because I'd like to rotate that guy. I'd like to keep him fresh and then I'd like to get to week 19 where the center he's facing, the guard he's facing, can play 100% of the snaps every single game right. and I'd like for him to be cooking. Uh, and that to me, like yeah, I get to take over late and I really, really like that. Uh, and Danny brought up the critical point. We saw every single Georgia defender and I know Hybrid, you're about to talk about this. We saw every single Georgia defender just eat. In Indy. They ate all year. They ate in the National Championship, and then they ate in Indianapolis. This was a, a <laughs> defensive front, arguably unlike that, uh, the, which we've ever seen in college football. Goes up against that mid-20 or late 2010s Alabama front, right? The best dude, Jalen Carter, he's not even out. Not eligible. And he he's going to be like tackle. a top 10 pick next year. Yeah. Well, the guy behind Jordan Davis. The guy behind Jordan Davis is better than Jordan Davis? Potentially, yeah. The guy that Jordan Davis, who was like a Heisman contender midway through the season, right, is exactly. not the best so That's what I'm saying thing. is like it, understanding Jordan Davis's snap counts. Number one, it's not even the problem. It should be meant it meant to be. But number two, Georgia could not only could rotate, not only should have rotated, legitimately like had to rotate. Yeah, yeah. because they had too many people. And so I, I I don't I take very little stock in it. I would take Jordan Davis top ten without blinking. Yeah. Top ten. Top ten without blinking. So what team makes sense for him? I, I see what DK is saying about the Chargers because the Chargers have, you know, obviously a terrible run D, but that's kind of philosophical. I mean, w- what team makes sense for Jordan Davis? Yeah, and, and and philosophical is the important word because if you're trying to live in a too high world, and this has been said a bunch of times, a bunch of ways, and it's kind of going to become a refrain this year. If you want to live in a too high world, your interior defensive linemen better be butt kickers. You get you got to steal a gap somehow. Yeah. So that interior player becomes a lot more valuable. So you look at a team like Denver Broncos at nine. Right, the uh, uh, Vic Fangio defense—they're moving away from that now. I can't recall who the new defensive coordinator is, but like that would have made sense for them. The Jets at both ten and at 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 four. Again, like talking about just what makes sense for that that team. 
interior defensive line. Quinn Williams is a guy that's potentially leaving this year. He's more of a penetration player. If you want to live in a too high world, that player is going to be important. Carolina Panthers at six. I mean, they just drafted Derek Brown, but like hasn't been amazing for Derek Brown so far. These are systems that make sense for them. But the, the, the best fit. Yeah. The absolute best fit is is Chargers at 17. Uh, it It's perfect. Can we elaborate a little on this Georgia defense? Because this is kind of insane. DK? Yeah. Yes. So uh, I, one of my awards for this week is. Oh, the, I thought it was hype. Excuse holy me. Holy shit. Can you imagine playing the fucking Georgia defense award? Because <laughs> they this Georgia defense, which, by the way, was like the best defense in, in college football. And this isn't really a surprise, but they actually just blew up the combine. Um, so. I don't even know where to start. Multiple players at every level of their defense tested out as like 95th percentile athletes. Um, I saw this for ESPN. This is a good summation. Georgia had the third fastest 40-yard dash by defensive end, Trevon Walker. The fastest and second fastest by defensive tackles, Devontae Wyatt and Jordan Davis. The third and sixth fastest for linebackers, Channing Tindall and Quay Walker. And by the way, uh, freaking, what's his name? Didn't even run. N'Kobe Dean, who is maybe the best linebacker on that group, didn't even run. <laughs> Um, Kobe and then D, Lewis man. Stein, Lewis Stein ran a four three seven, and Broad jumped eleven two. So they are just ridiculous. Like this is a ridiculous defense. I don't even get like Teron Walker. By the way, under I guess he flew under the radar a little bit because of what Jordan Davis do did. Um, but Walker was like incredible. Six foot five, four five one forty, ten three Broad, six point eight nine three cone. Like all of those are really really good numbers. Um, and so I don't know. Did I say did I say scene wrong? Sign wrong? Lewis sign? Yeah, yeah Lewis, it's scene. Lewis scene. My bad. Yeah. Um, so it's did C-I-N-E. Georgia kind of replace Alabama as like the guy like just take the D, the defender from Georgia because for like ten mm-hmm. years it was just take the guy from Alabama and then now Georgia mm-hmm. is kind of equalized Alabama as like right. the five star recruiting factory. So if you just get the defender from Georgia, should people just be happy if that's who your team ends up with in the first <laughs> yes. few rounds? Yeah, a, a little bit. Yes, uh, there was there's a deranged member of football Twitter by the name of Betts, who just is like this guy who's like a coach in the Pacific Northwest who just shows up sometimes just like tweets mad stuff and then leaves. He's just, he's like a legend. <laughs> he's a vigilante. Yeah. Uh, he's totally nuts. Um, but he once said something about the Georgia recruiting process versus the Alabama recruiting process. That I think is very prescient, which is that Alabama recruits the factory settings guys, right? Like, all right, highway speed. They have Alabama has an unbelievable investment in in improving a guy's speed, improving a guy's strength. The strength and conditioning program is second to none. So we bring in the factory setting guys who just clearly have the frame and the athleticism to, to do it, and then they put them in, in their machine, and they come out two years later and they're unbelievable athletes. Alabama has literally like industrialized this process. Georgia goes and finds the exceptions. Georgia doesn't bring in factory setting guys. Georgia finds just like Nicobe Deans, who's just like like a bad out of hell Nicobe Dean they go mm-hmm. and they find Jordan Davis who's a mountain with skates like just like a guy who can fly at, the, at this size they've had other dude like like Jalen Carter's another one uh, uh like seen un- un- unbelievable athleticism but they they bring in these these body types that are rare and these play styles that are rare and this movement ability that's rare and they build the ship out of uniqueness rather than Alabama so it's kind of different philosophies but in general you look at the way that the, the Georgia brings in these athletes and you say if your defensive coach can't make something out of Jordan Davis Lewis Seen Nicobe Dean Chandler Tending Quay Walker Jalen Carter uh, Trayvon Walker holy smoke if you can't make it out of these guys your defensive coaching staff is the problem yeah by the way their so who's punter, the best of this bunch their punter who- ran 4-5-6 yes what oh <laughs> yeah what? Uh, Georgia Jake, punter Jay Camarda Jay ran Camarda. an official four five six at the combine. Wow! The Georgia just, punter just is that a Keenan Is that Allen a record? Ran? Is that a record for a punter? I'm gonna look uh, that up. I think so. Faster than nine running backs and nine wide receivers, Jake Camarda. <laughs> oh my god! That's I'm looking insane. it up right now. The top, the top, uh, forty yard dash of all time. Oh shoot! Yeah, he is the top punter of all time, according to what I'm looking at here. Play 11 on 11 in the punt game, baby. He punts Uh, that puppy. He's down making the tackle. There's a couple kickers that ran in the four sixes. Mitch Wisnowski ran a four six three back in 2019. Yeah. Remember two episodes when we were like 40 yard dash is silly. Now we're just like, actually, it's just just draft your punters on the 40 yard dash. Yes. Yeah. Let's keep rolling here. DK, give us another award. Uh, All that said, Heifetz, good segue, by the way, because we're giving this one the Barry Bonds Award for one giant asterisk to this combine because there's a chance these numbers, well, at least the 40-yard dash numbers were juiced a bit. Uh, I saw this per NFL research, the best ever, it was the best ever year for 40-yard dash. 
Um, since 2003, it was the fastest average time among all the players, which is 4.71. 31 players ran sub 4.4, which is the most ever. And if you if you're compiling all of them, Fastest running back group, receiver group, offensive line group, defensive line group, linebackers, and defensive backs group. Is there any groups that are not in there? It is every group other than quarterbacks, I guess. Am I missing any other ones? Tight ends. So there's like all but two of the groups here were the fastest ever. Or maybe just the timer was the guy timing it was wrong. And since we literally saw that happen on Thursday night at NFL Network. Well, where they, that was part of it. That might be part of it. But these are the official times and not the not the unofficial times. Well, so I don't know. That, no, I, I got to read an email from Chad because Chad, he sent us an email. and I was like, I have the same question. Chad. 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 Chad writes, why does Chad. it take so long to get official 40 times during the combine? If the NFL is trying to turn the combine into an actual spectator event, why don't they have an automatic timing system like they have at the Olympics? It's not like when we watch Usain Bolt run the 100-meter dash that we have to wait an hour or whatever to find out if he actually broke the world record. Uh, I'm guessing because they start at track and field with, like, the shot or whatever. Like, they shoot the the pistol, don't they? Or I guess it's not really a pistol anymore, but, you know, they have, like, an automatic timer. It's not... I think the problem with the 40s here is you have to determine when the player starts Oh, the player run. can decide when they go. They I think there's a subjectivity here of like when the player starts his run. I think that's like the problem. Why don't Why don't they just start with a with a bang? I mean, there you go. But then you're changing thirty right. something years of like combine numbers. Oh, is the problem. All right, eventually we got to grow as a nation. You know, <laughs> yeah, that's that's the main thing the that that I think has been learned this week is that when we say electronic timer, we mean a timer that is run by electricity, but it still started with a hand. <laughs> right, like the electronic times are hand times, just a different instrument than a stopwatch. It's a space bar instead yeah. of a stopwatch. Okay, so, <laughs> so I kind yeah. of feel like the I have. If I'm giving an award, it's the my faith in electronic timing. The forty-yard dash times have been completely sh- crashed. Award. I, yeah. I feel like this is all BS now. I, I this is why, BS like, max B GPS stuff is the future, baby. How fast were you moving in the game? Is what we um, care about. Isn't it funny, though, that we still lead every single player's combine with what their 40 was? Yeah. You know right. why? I've thought about this well, a actually, lot. Actually, that's a good point. That's a really good point. You know why? I, I think that's actually a, a part of the reason this was the best year ever for 40 times. It's because these athletes spend the last two months trying to get the 40 right like that's all they care about they, there's guys that are not even doing any of the other like events anymore it's because they spend all their time training so they can get the technique exactly right so they can get a good 40 so we idiots on these podcasts can talk about them <laughs> and how fast they were in the 40 and it's like just like feeding this whole industrial draft industrial complex um the 40 is like not that important on our, on a top level like point of view but like it's important to these guys because we talk about it a ton. It pushes guys up boards. It maybe potentially pushes guys um, higher in the draft, and those guys make more money. It's just like then the agents want their players to do it. You know what I mean? So it's like it's kind of crazy. But that is it's another really, reason. That's probably a reason that times are improving is because these these players are realizing the forty is the most important thing. It's going to be what everyone talks about. I'm going to train my ass off to get really w- good in this. It's really a stupid process, and the 40-yard dash means basically nothing. Having said that, did you guys learn anything about any players from the 40-yard dash this week that made you really happy? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I did. <laughs> Poor Hemp Blow. Georgia Punter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There we go. Uh, so one, of, one more award here is the, okay, so Kenneth Walker and Brees Hall are as fast as Jonathan Taylor, apparently, award. Uh, because Brees Hall, Iowa State running back, and Kenneth Walker from Michigan State both ran... Sub 4-4, Brees Hall ran 4-3-9, Walker ran 4-3-8. Uh, there are some indications that these running back times, again, were not quite accurate, but whatever. Like, this is the information that we have. Um, and if you remember, Jonathan Taylor, I believe, ran 4-3-9 or 4-4 on the dot. And he's, like, a track athlete at running back. Like he's. I mean, I no longer trust the dot, but yes. Right. Um, but I think overall, like, those two times, at least in my mind, are going to push these guys up boards in the dynasty world, it's going to solidify them as like early ra- like top three picks in dynasty drafts. Um, in the fantasy world, like th- it's going to boost their their stock. Like this is actually important that they ran so fast um, because there was this indication or thought that this running back class isn't all that good. But Brees Hall and Walker both had incredible production, and there was just some question marks about like their overall speed and athleticism. I think, and then obviously they dispelled all those thoughts. So it was actually I think a big deal for both Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker running that fast and both had good verts like uh, Brees Hall had 40 inch vert, which is really solid. So 
Um, overall, like a really good combine for those two guys in particular and, and the running back groups overall. So like, do you think any of these guys are first rounders, any of the running backs this year? I don't understand why Brees isn't. Uh, like right. Josh Jacobs went 24 and we were like, yeah, okay. Like we were a little bit like, uh, but to me, Brees <laughs> is a better prospect than Josh Jacobs was. Uh, I like Brees a fair bit. I think that you're looking at a, I've seen like DeMarco Murray, which I don't mind. I like Joseph Adai as a comparison, which Adai obviously had a short career, but was pretty, pretty solid when he was with the Colts. Um, this is an explosive big dude. He's got uh, <laughs> evidence as a pass catcher and evidence as a pass protector. I'll take it. I comped him to Antonio Gibson, which kind of feels like I'm underselling him at this point. Yeah. Like Antonio Gibson, if he actually was a running back Correct. for more than like four Antonio years. Antonio Gibson, as if he had running back reps in college. Antonio Gibson, but <laughs> running back. But with practice. But like uh, the athletic comp, I think, works now because they're both like 215, 20 pounds or whatever, and they both run in the four threes. Like it works now. Mm-hmm. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Can I give you as an award, which is really just a question? I mean, yes. I kind of just, the Kayvon Thibodeau tone deaf award, like Kayvon Thibodeau is the edge rusher from Oregon. It was, he was like the number one prospect in this whole class, I believe coming into uh, college and was a top number one, maybe number two prospect entering the draft cycle a year ago and just really has fallen outside the top two, outside the top five. Some fringe people have him outside the top 10. And it's like, there's all these whispers that are becoming not whispers about, you know, his, you know, attitude, work ethic, whatever. Like, is he a dis- like, you know, is he too interested in NFTs and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> he has a 50 year point plan for his entire life. All that jazz. I think on the, at a surface level, I don't at all think that having outside interests is a fact that you means you can't be in the NFL. I think that's silly. However, I was surprised this week at two things I saw from him, considering that this is like the known um, narrative about him. Two things. One, he said at his press conference, he was talking, he, he was meant it in the phrase, in the terms that like he's a harsh critic of himself. But he said that there's nothing a coach can tell me that I don't already know. And that's because I'm honest with myself when I watch the tape. I think I know what he's trying to say, but that's still a weird thing to say. Like there's nothing a coach can tell me I don't already know. He just come odd. out and say, I'm uncoachable. He's trying to say, like, I understand myself. I know how I play. Like I can, I can judge myself purely. But it came off pretty bad. But it's just odd. But then Mitch Max that with the other the other criticism of his game is he's inconsistent play to play. They did motor, whatever you want to call it. But he's not like out there giving 100% effort on like every play. And, and that's like, you know, one of the known knocks and obviously your agents and stuff prepare you to like patch up the weaknesses in your profile. So in the middle of the workouts, he does a couple of the workouts, right? I think he did the 40. I think he did the bench. And then he stops. He leaves. He doesn't finish the workouts. Does that strike you as strange? Like, bo- I mean, I, whoever wants to take this, Deeker is so like, does that strike you as odd? Not re- no, there's a uh, there's a fair number of prospects who will be working out, start to get momentum, like be doing well, and then stop working out. Because yeah, the last thing you want to do is is DK Metcalf yourself, where it's like, this is the greatest combine we've ever seen. And then he runs a nine-second three-code, and we're all like, this is Third not, rounder. The great, not the greatest. <laughs> not, not the greatest combine we've ever seen. You get that Pac-Man mock draftable chart where everything is 95th percentile except for two drills are like third percentile. And you get you're you're obviously got that question. So Kayvon said on the on the podium he was gonna do everything. Ran uh benched, benched well. 20, ran, I think he had well. more he had more reps than any other person, I think, on the bench. Yeah, which I mean like six, six total, whatever. Uh like edges actually tested, but he benched. Sure, benched but well. it was better than them. Anyway, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, good performance in that regard. Um, ran well. I think while well, he ran a four six five, I want to say unofficial. Yeah, uh, four six five two seven four five eight. I see. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, got all the way down to four five eight. Hold oh, wait, maybe Moses. that's unofficial. I don't know. Yeah. yeah, and then said, "All right, been a good day. I'm not gonna spoil this by you know maybe I came in like you know five pounds heavier than I'll work out on my pro day. And that's going to take time off my agilities and my explosives, my jumps. Right. Uh, so to me, like that, that's the thing that a lot of, a lot of prospects do 
after they have a good 40 or, you know, they kind of like hit that, that bell and they're like, all right, we're not going to mess this up. Um, but yeah, Thibodeau is a, is a beat of your own drum guy. There's nothing wrong with it. It's it, there are teams that think there's something wrong with it. Right. Right. Correct. So you're at the point where how much should you kowtow to what the league will demand from you largely, right? You'd kind of like, you know, use Aiden Hutchinson as a foil here. Hutchinson, I don't think has ever talked about anything besides football since this process began. Right, like Thibodeau got up and put him was like, I play chess. And Aiden Hutchinson was like, if I stop thinking about football, I'll die. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, like, how much are you going to kowtow to what the league wants to hear versus how much you're going to say, this is who I am. And you should draft me knowing this is what I, who I am, what I'm going to be. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Okay. Uh, so so I, I think this is like a perfect example. And I think Thibodeau even said this on the podium. He was like, you know, the, the media likes to kind of run with these narratives and everything. And I think it's, I personally, and this is me switching to me, like, I personally think it's getting completely overblown. Like, this is a very common thing that happens with, like, as select. Feels like it's certainly out. snowballing and he's going to fall for yeah, the reason. Yeah, like, we're, we're parsing the words he said, even though, Heifetz, you admit you know what he was trying to say with, like, the practice thing. Like, he's a hard, he watches film, he, he he's hard on himself, and yet we're parsing what he's saying. Um, and then, like, for instance, just, like, as an example... Jermaine Johnson from Florida State, who is rising really, really quickly um, in the post-draft process. Great ball player. I think he's a really good player. He played two days at the Senior Bowl, dominated, and then quit. Like He's like, okay, I've shown what I needed to show. I'm done. I'm not going to risk getting injured. I'm not going to... Don't, I don't think I need to show anything else. And that was it. And this is exa- essentially what Kayvon Thibodeau did was like he was like... He ran a 4.58 with really good 40. He benched a lot. And he was like, okay... I think I've proven that I've like been working out. I don't need to do anything else. And besides, like Thibodeau is already a top ten pick, like almost guaranteed. And like, how much movement in, in there is like him jumping or whatever going to like really create? So I think this is a like it's a strategy from Thibodeau and his agent or, or whatever, and like you know trying to work this whole system and work the narratives and work everything. Um, but it is a common one. Like I, you t- uh, players do this all the time. So I just think it's like. It is really kind of like the media, like taking a small whisper and turning it into something bigger. Okay, that being well, said, that being said, that being said, I'm not blaming you, Heifetz. I do think there are teams. No, that blame are going, me. There are teams that are going to. I'm blaming Heifetz. Teams will look at some of the stuff that he likes off the field and think like, oh, he's not he's not focused on football. Like he doesn't love ball. Um, but like, I don't think the combine thing is really going to make a difference. But I made up all the rumors. It's just blame me. It's all for me. Okay, Craig, did you have did you have an award? Yeah, it's the maybe they had an upset stomach award to the highly touted players who had a disappointing <laughs> combine. This is to all the people out there who aren't great test takers, but they're smart. Uh, they just aren't good on test day. You know, they get anxious. They get. Is this you projecting? Are you a bad test taker? I actually am a good test taker, oh, okay. uh, but I, you know, I, I always felt bad. There's a lot of like my brother, terrible test taker, smart guy, terrible test taker. He just like didn't like the environment. He he could never perform well. But then like if you actually like sat down with him and talked to, to him about the subject, like he knew a lot about it. And I know this doesn't really like align, but like I, I just think Traylon Burks, man, he had such a bad combine. I feel bad for him. You know, maybe he just <laughs> had a bad day. He was mistiming the forty. Uh, it, it wasn't working for him, and I hope he doesn't drop for it. Do you guys think he will? I don't think very far, no. Sixth best speed score. Yeah, it's still He's pretty big, solid. And the rest of them are small. And this, the anti-big bias here is big man moving relatively fast. Well, except with Jordan Davis. If you get to the other end of the big <laughs> spectrum, people get very excited yeah. when the big people go fast. But he's like Trevor Jordan Brooks Davis in the with the best speed score since 1999, which is Football Outsiders database. We so. This is the problem. We wanted Traylon Burks to be Jordan Davis. And then when he was just a good athlete, above average athlete, and he wasn't the best athlete of all time, maybe like Jordan Davis, like that was where like the narrative's gone. It was like, that was disappointing. It's kind of like a movie. It's like, I got mad at Craig before the show for saying the Batman was a good movie. And I was like, don't tell me that because it's going to influence my opinion of the movie, my expectations. I want to go with a clean slate. It's like the prospects. You guys go in really excited for prospects. Exactly. But But if I don't know anything, I'm like, oh, the guy seems like really, really athletic. If I'm a GM, I just I only want to draft the guys who are really good actually on the field, on tape, in their college football season, and then fall in the combine because they had a bad or fall in the draft because they had a bad combine. I want all those guys. Well, on that note, I, before we get to emails, I want to just cut the line and I want to ask you guys my own question, which is stock rising, stock falling. Player X's stock is rising after the combine. Does that actually happen? Or is a stock rising like DK, you just said it. Who is it? Jermaine Johnson? Mm-hmm. Stock is rising. Uh, sorry, he's 
He's a defensive Florida end State, out of Florida he, State edge rusher. Yeah, and he was at Georgia and he had to transfer, right? Correct. So he was, he was actually on that play. defense with all those other freaking uh, five star guys, so, and you know, like whatever. So did Jermaine Johnson's stock rising, or is it really the teams have players they like? And then as the people in the media get a better sense of what their real boards look like at the teams, the media adjusts it, but the player stock in the teams is exactly where it was. I think it's a little of both. I yeah. mean, it, first of all, the problem is teams' boards do change slightly as you go along in the process, as you get more information. So stock up is not like this made-up concept. Like there, I, I would guess that they probably don't change quite as much as like the media narratives would point to. But... As these, there's a reason these, the league does these things. They do, they do the senior bowl, they do the combine, they do the pro days. It's because they need as much information. They need the medicals. They need all that stuff um, on these players before they make their ultimate final determination of what these players are. And that's when you finally end up with the stock up, stock down. They're moving up and down the board. They're getting different grades, all that stuff. Um, you're talking to the to the guys. Do they love ball? That kind of stuff. So it's not like a made up media narrative, it, but it is. I think. Definitely not as it's probably not quite as dramatic as it, as we make it out in the media. Um, but then the other, I think, factor here that I think is interesting, and, and so like you've talked about this in the past, like the coaches of the teams don't get involved in the evaluation process until like after the season is over, basically. And so you get coaches who come in and they're like, "Ooh, I like this guy. This guy has a firm handshake. I want him on my team." And then they start talking to people in the media. And they start talking to the GM and trying to like exert their influence on where these guys are on the board. Does that make sense? So like they're the coaches now are starting to influence the stock of these players and that moves them up and down the board too. So uh, bottom line, it's not just like we're making up stock up, stock down. I don't think it works quite the same way at the team level as it does at the media level. But these guys are getting their their grades are changing slightly based on like the the various inputs in in the evaluation process. Yeah. I, I think yeah, I think you're like I think it's seventy five percent media getting to know what's going on and like 25% things actually happening. There's nothing funnier than when an insider writes a piece and they're like the opening paragraph is like Indianapolis, man, the whole NFL is there. You get to talk to a bunch of people you haven't talked to before. Anyway, here's whose stock is up. Well, no, I don't really think it's whose stock is up. I think it's you talk to somebody you weren't talking to previously. Yeah. So it's, here's who I've talked about that I wasn't talking about before. Because I wasn't talking to these people before. Not to say like insiders are bad. Just to say like that's that's really what the the phenomenon is. It's where we've got a lot more people talking to a lot more other people, and you got to try to figure out what's hearsay, what isn't. Um, but generally, just information starts getting crossed by and li between lines, and coaches are starting to get involved, and that just makes this whole process blow up a little bit. Okay, so let's get to some emails then. That was my question, but we also have a good question from Connor here, which is even more just like one hundred and one. But I actually really want to hear the explanation. DQ, so Connor says. Connor. 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 Connor says, I swear this is a genuine question and not sarcastic. What is the point of making a mock draft? <laughs> clicks. Just directed right clicks, at you, DK. baby. Is a mock the draft. Sweet, sweet click. Click. Yeah. Content. <laughs> yeah. uh, love Connor, that money. Ad revenue. Love that money. Dopamine. Love that money. <laughs> dopamine and ad revenue is pretty true. But Connor says, is a mock draft how these teams should draft and therefore a reflection of how the writer views each player and their team needs or is a mock draft how i how the writer thinks the team will draft based on the team's draft patterns and decision makers and needs etc cetera, etc cetera. i'm gonna throw that at you dk well not to sit on a fence but both or either oh, i mean look it, it depends on who the person is making the mock draft generally speaking i my mock drafts are what teams uh, I believe teams will do. It's more tilted yeah. towards like what the mock drafts are generally predictions. Wouldn't you say? Yeah. They're not, they're not what they think the team should do. It's what they believe the team will. Right. Do. It's, it's based on like, you know, the narratives, what people are, or what people are projecting for each of these teams, like what you're hearing off the record, all that stuff. Um, but at the end of the day, like sometimes a mock draft is like, Hey, this is an interesting scenario that could happen. If a, a, a team trades up for a quarterback, what would happen from there? So I'd say it's both, but generally speaking, I lean towards predicting what teams will do. Okay. I just, I just, it's it, it, sometimes it's like glossed over sometimes. You know what I mean? Like it's just the actual purpose is like glossed over a little I bit. I mean, it does depend, but clicks, clicks maybe. Yeah. And the, ni the, the nihilism thing. is a good reminder that none of this matters. Like what's the point of a mock <laughs> draft? And it's like uh, predicting, but also we can't. So 
It's also like Stop. there's a million variations of what yeah. could happen in a 32 pick first round. <laughs> like it's right. insane. So yeah, it used to be to distract you while you were taking a dump at your office, but no one's at their office anymore. So now I don't really know what it's for. <laughs> now it's Who knows? Okay, another email. Joe said, y'all sounded good with the hush tones of Friday's podcast. Hope the baby or napping grandparent or whoever was on the room uh, with you stayed asleep. <laughs> so I want to say, I, you know what I was whispering? We were in a hallway and I didn't want to do, be too loud. Okay. It's the first time anyone's ever yelled at me for being too quiet. I had a friend text me that said uh, he loved our show because it sounded like we were doing a podcast whilst playing hide and seek. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's a new idea. Hide and seek pod would be really high. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I did listen. I, I listened back. Whatever. Apologies, Joe. Joe. Um, yeah, it did sound like we were whispering. That was kind of annoying, but we'll we'll get better, learn from it, move on, flush it, and now we know. Okay. Let's get to America's favorite draft segment, which is mm-hmm. two jargons, one lie. Yep. Now we're gonna roll in here. We got a couple. Solak, I want you to lead us off. We we took a couple episodes off because Craig wasn't with us in Indy. Solak, please yeah. give us two real pieces of draft jargon and one that is fake that you made up, and we'll see if we can figure out the difference. Right. So it was combine week, obviously. We did some combine specific ones last time we were on. This time it's 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 guy day. Because combine talk a lot about guys. This guy, that guy. Big fan of this guy. So we have okay. the chalkboard guy, lunch pail guy, and the height weight speed guy. We got <laughs> chalkboard guy. You clever lunch you pail clever guy. Clever dog. High weight speed guy. <laughs> this is the toughest one yet. Good. You clever dog. Categories of guys. Ben definitely was like, I'm not going to go out of left field here. I'm just going to pick something that sounds incredibly normal, Mm -hmm. which is smart. What was it? Height, weight, speed guy? Chalkboard guy? Launch pail guy? (laughs) Height, weight, speed guy? Height, weight, speed guy is, uh, to me, like, right, service level, that sounds fake. But then you're like, (laughs) it's never what you first expect. Chalkboard, obviously. Okay, he's smart. Lunch pail. He's like a big guy. <laughs> what's the, what was that fullback? Craig, Craig was so certain he knew what lunch pail was until he had to say it. Then he was like, Wait "Who was the Packers fullback, Coon? Uh, John Coon? John, John Coon? Yeah, like he's a lunch pail lunch guy. pail guy. Hi, Fitz. You've been suspiciously quiet. I mean, I, all those terms are real. It's just applied to guy. <laughs> lunch pail, like they're all words. Lunch pail guy is real. Yep. Lunch pill guy. I mean, bring your. He brings his lunch pill to work. Brings your hard hat. Mm-hmm. That's real. Height weights. What's going they're, on? I with think height, they're all. Speed. I actually think they're all real. I think so. Like, this is three I think they're all real and a bad game. I'm gonna pivot. Chalkboard guys fake. Okay, Craig says chalkboard guys fake. Hybrids, what are you saying? I think you're a fake. So like, I think they're all real. <laughs> okay, <laughs> <laughs> which is respectful. That's understandable. I can't get Craig, man. Craig's too doggone Let's good go. in this game. Yeah. <laughs> right. So you you put a guy on the chalkboard when you want to see what he's what he can do well, <laughs> but you wouldn't really describe anybody as a chalkboard guy. That's not that's oh. not the right phrase gets used. Would you call him a like a whiteboard? What's because now people don't use chalkboards. Really. Yeah, right. Exactly. Like I chalk originally had whiteboard guy written down. I was like, no wait, Craig's <laughs> gonna figure out that whiteboard <laughs> is too modern of a term. I changed it to chalkboard. But you're right. They always say put the guy on the chalkboard. We'll see what happens. Right. Exactly. But they don't say chalkboard guy. Uh, lunch pail guys, right? As Danny said, it's a guy who brings lunch pail to work. Uh, you know, what I mean, he's he's nine to five guy. He's gonna do his job. You know what I mean? He's a tough, hard nosed dude. And then heightweight speed guy, which I thought I was gonna get you, Craig. I really did. It was yeah. too unclever. Yeah. I was like, it's yeah. They th- that, it's, and it's some so random dumb, NFL guy, especially yeah. because it's always used for guys who are big and and tall, and like they're usually just like average speed. But highway speed, like that's what it's become. It's just HWS. I, that's that's the slash, like in the, in the shorthand, <laughs> HWS. And so, highway speed guy is is a guy who is usually big, fast, and 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 tall. Okay, Jordan Davis. There you go. Highway <laughs> speed guy, baby. Right, do we, we do we got time for one more? Because DK, did you? Because we missed one a couple last week. I, yeah, I, I did bring him. Do it, DK. Yeah, DK wanted to throw his hat in the ring here. All right, here we go. Heifetz didn't even guess. Heifetz <laughs> just popped it out. Okay. I'm just mad because they're all real terms. Criticize Ben. <laughs> All right, here you go. Here's here's three expressions. Two of them are real that I know of, and one is not real that I know of. I like how Danny's re-explained the game really quick. All right. <laughs> Number one, stick his face in a fan. Stick his face <laughs> in the fan. The or a fan, I don't know. Stick That's his face in a fan. That's the fake one. Uh, climb the tree. Or number three, come down into the briar patch. <laughs> what? All right. 
do people use these terms? Or do- uh, the, I, Danny's is very like directionally oriented. Which way <laughs> that's why I tried. They were all the same. That's why I tried to make it like a theme. Wait, I'm glad down, you did it too. I don't know what a briar patch is, but that actually a briar patch is like a bunch of like twigs and thorns and stuff. I'm gonna say right? that's yes. real because that's so oddly weird to say. That has to mean like like get into the mud and scrap. What was the you first know? one? Put his face Stick in the his fan? face in the fan. I think the middle one's fake. Climb the tree. Okay. Heifetz? I actually kind of agree with Craig, where climb the tree is like too straightforward and the other weird as hell. Dude, Craig like, is Climb a, the tree sounds like something DK would make up. Craig is a jargon whisperer. I know. <laughs> Craig climb is a man the tree of is, Climb the tree, as far as I can tell, is not real. There Wait, is you know what? Climb the ladder is real. Yeah, that's I just made it a little different. You know how Craig does this? Did we tell a story in the podcast there was a horse like 100 years ago that could count? Did we talk about this? And there were ho- <laughs> yeah, no one knew how it did it. And the horse, and the, everyone's like, how the hell? And it turns out, well, animals are like 100 times better at reading body language than we are because we have <laughs> spoken language. So the horse right. would just like clop, clop, clop. And when it got to, the, it could see people's body language sensing and it would just stop when it got to the right number. And that's Craig doing all this. Craig just kind of like. Craig's just reading my body on. language when I read Climb the Tree. Well, it's like I, I try and think of like what somebody would think of and trying to make up a fake one. But also for you, DK, specifically, when you said the first one, what was it? Stick uh, his face in the fan. Yeah. You said stick his face in the fan and you went a fan or the fan. I don't know. And I was like, well, if you made that up, you would know what you wrote. So obviously uh, that one's real. Fucking Sherlock Holmes over here. Next time we play, <laughs> my camera's going off. I'm bringing somebody else. To, I'm bringing Mary. She knows none of them are real. No voice inflection. All right. Some disembodied you gotta voice. pretend you're reading the fake one off some list that you just Googled. Okay, so That'll real quick, him. real quick, I'll just explain these. Stick his face in the fan. Actually, Ben, you can explain that. Yeah, so stick a face in the fan is a guy who, if it's nasty up front, he's still going to go in there. He's going to do it. You know what I mean? If he just knows he's going to get his... His yeah. clock cleaned, he's going to go and get his <laughs> clock cleaned. He's going to stick his face in the fan. And then come down into the briar patch. I heard Alex Gibbs say this one time, and I yeah. couldn't. I never forgot it. It's basically like a corner who's willing to come in and tackle. Right. Oh, okay. The entire wide zone offense is predicated on the fact that corners won't tackle, and if corners yeah. can't tackle, they're incredible. willing to come down the briar patch. This guy's baby. willing to come down into the briar patch. Honestly, an incredible insight. Very <laughs> Love Alex okay. Gibbs. Yeah. That's all we got. Thank you, DK. Thank you, Solak. Thank you, Craig. Thank you, Alex Gibbs, for uh, briar patches. Yeah, I, yeah, right. That's honestly a really good strategy. In the wide zone. But mostly thank you for calling out quarterbacks who can't tackle. And Andy Greenwald for his show. The Shout out Andy Greenwald, friend of the watch. Wow. There we go. Well, we're yeah, friends incredible. of the watch. He's on the watch. Okay. Thank you, everybody. Thank you for listening. Most of all, thank you, Lorne. Lorne. Thank you, Lorne. Uh, Nathaniel Ratliff in the Night Sweats. Thank you. Great, great choice. Should we Son thank the bitch. band that's suing Dua Lipa? <laughs> Give me a drink. <laughs> Did he say Daniel Radcliffe? Nathaniel Ratcliffe. Ratcliffe? Ratcliffe? I don't know. I don't know who it is. I can't I, pronounce I, I, names. Do we? You got it. Who's the, who's the band suing Dua Lipa? We should probably shout them out. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I hate to say it. Yeah. Uh, Let me look it what up. Is it? It's, it's a band, reggae band, uh, like the '90s. But yeah, you know what? You looked it up, and it's like you know. I think I think it's like the same song. It's like oh my god, it sounds super super similar. <laughs> Article Sound System, and they would yeah. advertise their band as ASS. I shout respect out, that immensely. Shout out Article yeah. Sound System. That's uh, a good hook. I am devastated. So okay, goodbye everyone. I'm devastated. I'm devastated.